and we are reading from Luke chapter 4, starting at verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, man does not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will be yours. And Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point on the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered, it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray, shall we? Holy Spirit, come. Enlighten the eyes of our minds and hearts. Reveal yourself to us. That we may see you and be changed by you today. Amen. Amen. So, uh, as Ben has alluded to, he's a teacher. So I expect you're doing lots of, I don't know, trial exams and things at the moment, are you? Or do you escape? Yeah, our students are doing them, I get <laughs> Lucky you. <laughs> yeah, lots of, I'm sure, lots of marking. Because my son, Isaac, is sitting his GCSEs this year. And he's currently going through his third set of trial exams. So he's thoroughly fed up. But, I, you know, I say to him, it's, it's okay. It's, it's actually really good that uh, they keep testing you to find out where the weaknesses are. And so you'll perform your best on the day. Being tested isn't always a very enjoyable experience or a comfortable one, but it can be a really good way of determining the quality of what's there. Uh, So, for example, when the coronavirus vaccines were first being developed, they went through a whole process of testing. Uh, People came forward to be uh, part of trials um, to see how they uh, performed uh, before it was rolled out um, to the wider population. So there's an element of difficulty and perhaps risk and challenge in testing, but the idea is that it will reveal quality and uh, perhaps uh, improve a situation. And there's a long tradition of spiritual testing as well. So, um, as Ben said, we've now entered the season of Lent, uh, this time uh, which is traditionally one of fasting and prayer and repentance, self-examination, all of these spiritual practices that are to do with testing the heart and seeing what's there and whether it's good or not. 
Um, so as we go through Lent, we'll be asking ourselves, am I in line with God's purposes? Do I need to ask God for help? Um, are my eyes focused on his kingdom? All these sorts of questions as, as we look into ourselves. And of course, Lent uh, lasts this 40-day period. Um, as Ben said, it's also uh, something to do with the 40 years of the Israelites wandering through the desert on their way to the promised land. And it's also a reminder of Jesus' own 40 days in the desert, in the wilderness, a time of when he went through praying and fasting and being tested. Um, so Luke tells us, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted or tested by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. And by the end of them, he was hungry, which I think must be the greatest understatement of all. <laughs> so Jesus here is, is the latest in a long line of people being tested that we find in the Old Testament and in subsequent Jewish tradition as well. So some very famous examples of testing in the Old Testament would be the snake tempting Adam and Eve in the garden, uh, God testing Abraham with regard to the sacrifice of his son Isaac, uh, and the testing of Job. The whole book is, of Job is about the testing of um, this man. And as these examples show, sometimes this testing is presented as being something that God does directly, Sometimes it's simply a result of difficult circumstances that people are going through, and that's a testing time for them. And sometimes, as here, the devil is presented as being actively involved in tempting or testing. And often it's a bit ambiguous as to who has caused the testing. So Job is a particularly interesting example of that because uh, there Satan asks permission from God to go and test Job. It's, it's very interesting. We're not going to talk about that now, perhaps for another day. Uh, but the really important thing isn't who has caused this period of testing, but how does the person being tested respond? Do they crack straight away like Adam and Eve? Or does the testing only bring out the devotion to God that is there, makes it purer perhaps, makes it stronger, as with Abraham uh, and this, the thing to do with his sacrifice of his son Isaac. And with the testing of Jesus that um, Anne's just read to us, Luke tells us that the devil tempts him or tests him. But he also tells us that the Holy Spirit has led him into the wilderness. And of course, it's Jesus' own decision to go into the wilderness. So we might very often go through times of trial. We might not know exactly where that's come from, whether it's just the life that we're facing. But what's important is how we respond, how we respond to what we're going through in a way that is honouring to God in a way that resists evil, in a way that asks God for his involvement.
just as an aside, really, um, this war in Ukraine is an unimaginable challenge, obviously, for the people who live there who must be going through such a testing time, perhaps the most testing time we can possibly imagine. And it's also a test for us, and I think it's important to acknowledge that. As every day goes on of this horror and devastation, it's very easy for us to sink beneath it a bit. I know I can see the temptation for myself to think, oh, um, to, to go into that, that attitude of despair, really, to lose your hope and your courage. And I found um, some words which somebody emailed to me um, this week helpful in this regard. So I'm just going to share them with you in case you find it helpful as well. More than ever, we need to remember our calling. We are called to be people of prayer, including the prayer that God would defend the weak and hinder the work of violence. We are called to be a community of peace in the midst of strife. And we are called to keep a kingdom perspective no matter what happens. So I hope there's some encouragement there for you and for me um, as we go through this time of looking on at what's going on in Ukraine, doing our bit, but trying to keep our faith and our courage and our hope, even though the times are so difficult and so evil. So let's return to Jesus. We've talked about how um, this time of testing for him is the devil coming and bringing these temptations, but that he's voluntarily entered into this period of fasting and prayer as well. He's made a decision to do this. Why has he done that? Well, Luke tells us how in chapter 3, um, Jesus was baptised, and there the heavenly voice announced that he was the Son of God. So here, it seems perhaps that having had this announcement, this start of his ministry, he's needing to undergo testing in order to find out what does that mean for me to be the son of God? What is my calling? What is the nature of my relationship with God? So these are the things that perhaps Jesus is hoping will be revealed as he goes through this testing time. And there may be other ways in which we feel called, and perhaps we need to test that calling, perhaps going through a period of prayer and laying ourselves before God. But that seems to be what's happening with Jesus. And so each of the three questions that the devil puts to Jesus reveals something about himself, about Jesus, and about his relationship with God the Father. Firstly, it reveals that he is dependent upon God. Secondly, it reveals that he worships God. And thirdly, that he walks in faithful obedience to God. So as Jesus comes under testing, the first thing that's revealed and clarified through this time is that this is somebody who knows his dependence upon God. So verses three to four. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. 
We've observed already that Jesus is hungry. So, of course, the devil takes aim at this in his first test. The devil seems to be saying, okay, so let's assume that you are indeed the son of God. That means you've got unlimited power, doesn't it? You can turn stone into bread. But Jesus resists, quoting from Deuteronomy 8.3, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. He resists the temptation to use his status and his power for his own ends. And in his response to the devil, he's acknowledging his dependency upon, in everything upon his father. Of course he needs food. We know that. But in this time of testing, it's revealed that the greater truth is that he is ultimately dependent upon God. More than food. Just like the Israelites were fed with the manna from heaven when they were wandering in the wilderness. And secondly, Jesus' time of testing reveals that he's someone whose heart is set on worship. Verses 5 to 8. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. I read somewhere that the devil here is a bit like a used car salesman. And the, the way it, um, in, the, in the Greek, um, it starts with, to you I will give, we talked about this in Greek, didn't we? To you I will give all the kingdoms of the world. You know, it's, he's sort of laying out his, his pitch. But Jesus resists, again, quoting from Deuteronomy, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus's ministry is not going to be characterized by worldly power and glory. It could have been, there were plenty of Jewish people who expected the Messiah to come and bring political freedom, to restore the kingdom of Israel, to defeat the Romans. But Jesus has perceived through this time of testing that that is not the route for him. It's going to be vital for all that he is and all that he does that he is rooted in worship and service of the one true God. Really important. He realizes his path is going to be one of humility, not seeking glory for himself. And that's how he's able to resist this devil's second temptation. And the third temptation reveals that Jesus is completely, faithfully obedient to God. Verses 9 to 12. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. But Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. So here, the devil is urging Jesus to throw himself off the temple in reliance on the scriptural promises, which are from Psalm 91. 
If you really believe that God is going to protect you, he seems to be urging, why don't you test it out? Give it a test. God will come and save you because that's what he does, isn't it? But Jesus is not someone who will ever take God for granted. And he also knows his Bible. And he knows the rest of Psalm 91. Psalm 91 is all about finding refuge in God from danger. The psalmist talks about making God your dwelling, loving God, acknowledging his name. Salvation and safety are found in God, the psalm says. And so it makes complete mockery of all that psalm is about to persuade someone to do something foolish that is not in God's will, deliberately to see if God will turn up and save you. That's not what it's about. It's about drawing close to God and finding in him your salvation and your safety and your security. And Jesus knew that. And so actually, it was quite easy. Well, I don't know, it was quite easy for him to resist. I I imagine it was quite easy for him to resist. He says again, from quoting Deuteronomy, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Something very interesting is going on here. Three times now, Jesus has resisted the devil by quoting from Deuteronomy. I don't know if any of us think that's a great way to resist the devil. Perhaps you ought to try it sometime. (laughs) What's going on? Well, I think there seems to be a deliberate nod here to the Israelites wandering in the wilderness. As we've seen, they were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, and Jesus' temptation lasts, or, or time of testing in the wilderness lasts for 40 days. And so I think Luke seems to be inviting us to um, compare the two, compare God's people uh, being tested in the wilderness with God's own son being tested in the desert. Because in every respect, Jesus' response under testing is unlike the Israelites. The Israelites were hungry and they complained about it. God was there to provide for their needs, basically. The Israelites abandoned the worship of God in order to worship a golden calf. The Israelites put the Lord to the test at Massa, where it says the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? So Luke is presenting in Jesus somebody who responds under testing in every way as a new, true son of God. Not like the sons of God the Israelites were. This is what God wants. He is who God wants. He knows what God wants, and he wants what God wants. It's as though he really does spring from the same genetic material as God his father. At the end of the passage, we read that the devil leaves Jesus until an opportune time. And of course, that time will be when Jesus faces the greatest test of his life, when he faces the pure evil of death on the cross and all that represents. And then, too, he will demonstrate his dependence upon God his worship of God, 
and his faithful obedience to God. Where does this leave us? Well, we're not likely perhaps to be tempted in exactly the same ways as Jesus. But it's really helpful for us to understand that as we walk with him, we will be encounter testing and temptation in our lives and in however God has called us. There will be plenty of moments when we're tempted to look to ourselves and not to God to fulfill our essential needs. Lots of times will crop up when we're tempted to worship other things than God or to worship ourselves in preference to God. And there'll be lots of times when we're tempted to abandon our walk of faithful obedience. And there may well be other temptations that we will face. It's good to know that these are likely to come so that we can be prepared for them when they do. And take heart that Jesus has gone before us. Not only in combating the devil's temptations in the desert, but also and supremely in defeating the devil on the cross. And remember that through Jesus, you too are a child of God. You have been adopted as Jesus' brothers and sisters. He has filled you with his Holy Spirit. And so you have all that you need to follow him and to increase in his likeness day by day. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we're so aware of our failings and the times perhaps when we feel that we have succumbed to temptation and failed the test. Lord, thank you that you are a God of such mercy and love and forgiveness that we can come to you again and again and you do forgive us. You pour out your spirit and your love upon us and help us to walk hopefully into the future in the knowledge that we can change and gradually become more like you. We pray that you would give us hearts that seek you above all things that we would want to worship you with all of our hearts and all of our lives. Help us, Lord, to walk in faithful obedience to you, to rely on you, to look to you when we're in trouble. And thank you, Lord Jesus, for your sacrifice upon the cross for all that you went through for us. We thank you, Lord. Amen.